Welcome to the Korean American Parenting Podcast, where we share the idiosyncrasies, struggles, joys, and pains of being a Korean American parent, not just Korean or American, navigating the unique cross cultural challenges of parenthood. I'm Jerry. And I'm Jang. Join us each week as we chat with fellow parents and parenting experts about topics like academics, health, both physical and mental, and culture. And of course, how current events such as COVID has impacted all our lives in numerous ways. Our hope is that through these conversations, we'll grow together as confident Korean American parents raising confident Korean American children. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and follow us on Instagram at Korean American Parenting. And be sure to share this with a fellow parent if you find the show helpful. Thanks again for tuning in. And here now is this week's episode. I have your book right in front of me. Um, and also, so this this is kind of like our, uh, we do have some episodes where we do add on like a book um, thing. So we've done like maybe a couple of books um, that are um, done by Korean Americans. And so it, it's just more kind of, I wanted to like hear about your background and why this book was how and why this book was made and you know um, what it means to you and what what you would like to convey with this book would that be okay mm-hmm. yes. that okay. would be fine i'm wanting of course unju to be um equally involved in the interview too <laughs> yeah okay but it's uh mary mainly wrote the you know wrote the book yes right. how- However, I have to say that um, I'm very fortunate to have such a simpatico and wonderfully attuned collaborator that Mm -hmm. the book project ultimately came uh, initially initially came out of Unju's list of things that she would like to she would like to address in terms of topics. And so it coincided, of course, with my interest. Um, My children are Afro-Asian. And they always had a little discomfort with <laughs> Solna, the bowing down, and as they put it, the jolling. <laughs> so I needed to make it <clears throat> more accessible to them. And at the same time, honor my mother who just celebrated her 80th, having survived her uh, husband, my father, who had a lengthy bout with Parkinson's, and also equity to her because mostly I'd written <laughs> about my father's stories, my father's line, and so I needed to be more <laughs> equitable. And then um, I had followed some news stories even prior to the recent outbreaks um, of uh, anti-Asian violence. Um, in the initial stage, stages of COVID, of course, Chinatowns were targeted and especially elder pe- elderly people were targeted. So mm-hmm. I was keeping up with the news. And of course, most people cannot tell us apart. Actually, I can't. <laughs> so I was worried for my mother who lives, you know, not too far from Koreatown. So I wanted to, uh, in a more positive way, address those uh, the anti-Asian violence. And I'm saying this with a smile. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to alarm the children in any way. Um, my intent was, well, of course, to um, elevate my children's consciousness and awareness. Um, although the book is primarily targeting Korean American youth, 
I want to keep it very open to people who are not of our heritage because we are not targeting ourselves for anti-Asian violence. <laughs> so it makes a great deal of sense to try and address people's ideas, misconceptions about Korean Americans if they are not Korean American and uh, promote a positive image of not only our elderly, but our, our women and of our culture. So it was yeah. manifold. Yeah, so Mary, it sounds, I mean, you, so you've written books, I know that, but it sounds like this was kind of like collaboration between you and Unju. And, um, I, you know, I do love the fact that it really does explain the whole holiday um, because my daughter's four and she, she kind of, I've done a poor job. So she, she doesn't quite understand <laughs> um, the New Year's. Um, and so, it, I mean, it's like a perfect book for her too, because then she, um, you know, she's able to kind of under, like, see it in, um, in, in illustration, but also read it. Um, and then hopefully when we are able to go back to Korea after COVID, um, we can try um, kind of actually having our experience it. But is it something... Uh, you know, you mentioned that it was um, from Unju's idea as well. So how did that come up, come about? Uh, well, I believe Mary and I had separately had our list of ideas that we would like to address. And I had wanted to illustrate uh, books for geared towards uh, Asian American kids, mainly Korean American children, because as a mom of young children, I have been searching for books that represent them, but it was hard to find. I mean, I'm not saying it's not out there, but I, I wish there were more and easier to find. Yeah. Um, so I figured I would like to do it so that my children can see part of their culture that's represented. And when I had, I'm on a Facebook mothers group and I had asked anybody they would like if any writers were out there because I'm not a writer. Oh, is that how you and met? Yes. And no uh, Mary's sister actually connected us. Mary's not on the Facebook group, but her sister was. And that's how we connected. And then when we discussed what kind of books, we realized that we had the same list of themes that we would like to address. Mm -hmm. So like wow. Mary said, we're very simpatico. Yes. Wow. So social media. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And what is, I mean, I guess, what is the message that you wanted to bring in? Um, you know, you mentioned your children and I, you know, I have young children mm -hmm. and uh, Mary mentioned her children, but what are the themes uh, um, that you guys resonated with each other and kind of, I guess, then th does that mean there are more books to come? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, we're Mary and I are currently working on another book uh, together, and uh, we're not. I don't think we're gonna divulge what it is yet because um, it's in the initial stages. Uh, but yes, we are. Uh, we have a list that we are working on. Um, Absolutely, that's really great. I, I I hope that it comes out soon. Um, I think, um, like Mary said, with all the um, anti-Asian racism going on, mm -hmm. um, I've had a lot of, you know, my child is uh, included, but I've had a lot of ch children and parents reach out to me because they're having, well, not only hard time, but they've already faced some acts of racism in their schools or on the streets. And, you know, um, it's been very difficult. And to me, my answer to that is you have to have a good sense of identity first mm -hmm. to 
stand up to that. And, and, you know, Jerry and I even talk about this in our podcast where, you know, it's unfortunate, but it is true that our children will still experience yes. of racism Absolutely. in their life. So mm-hmm. you had asked about themes, and I think mm-hmm. this connects very strongly. Mm-hmm. Being to normalize being Korean American, mm-hmm. to make it positive and fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why that's why the grandma is the superhero, since um, so many children really uh, adore their superhero comics. I wanted to grant that kind of same stature to the origin of us all and make it make it so that actually you don't have to be Korean American to celebrate super Korean New Year's with grandma. <laughs> Is that why it's called super um, uh, super Korean New Year's? It's, I really like it. Um, I, it's very positive and kind of, you're right, like fun. Um, I think that's actually really helpful. If we cannot counterbalance some of the unavoidable negativity that our children will experience and that we ourselves have experienced with positivity and fun, then um, we're going to end up with less balanced and less whole people, I think. And so we have to actively seek out fun Mm -hmm. and positive and, you know, try and make, make that infectious. (laughs) And so that our our children and our grandchildren can just join in the fun and maybe make other people jealous. Oh, I want that fun too. (laughs) Let's all do it. (laughs) That is, I mean, I think that's actually really true. And I I do have to point out this book, um, Super Korean with Grandma, Premier with Grandma, and there's a cool stuff. (laughs) 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 right um and i i think it's actually really fun um it reminds me of minari too because that that's Mm. uh, how they bond it in a way too i when i think of harmony that's that's what i think of too and so it's very like um overarching theme so is this book out uh yes we find it uh, right now, it's uh, available online at tbrbooks.org. Uh, you can purchase it online and Amazon. Yes. Oh, okay. And Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, no. And it, in terms of kind of, you know, we talked a little bit about the racism and like talking about mm-hmm. identity and making our culture fun and be part of who we are. Like, I know you guys both have children. Well, I want to know like what you guys are doing. I mean, other than actually like writing a book about it, um, <laughs> what what has been helpful for you as a mom of your children? And also, are there things that you would like um, other Korean American parents or parents of Korean American children to know about how to help the children have more sense of identity? This is a big question. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me personally, I can't say and um, answer for anybody else, but my personal experience has been that um, instilling pride in her Koreanness, in her, I have two daughters, so instilling Korean pride in them has helped them. Uh, I'm not sure how to. This is why I'm not the writer because I, I have a hard time articulating you my can, thoughts. You can, mostly, you can draw it. Uh, yes, uh, one day I, I think I will draw it out for my daughters. But I think for my seven-year-old, that's my oldest. Is I have three and seven, mm-hmm. so the seven-year-old has 
I've been working really hard on instilling the Korean pride in her. And she takes great pride in that she, she has this dual, she's um, Caucasian and Korean. So she has this dual cultural heritage. So I don't know if this is a right way to say it, but American culture is a deep, I'm sorry, my three-year-old is banging at the door. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so we, uh, what we do is where the default culture in America is the Caucasian culture. But for us to find Korean culture, you have to kind of enforce it, right? Or not enforce it, but work harder at it because it's not the, yeah, yes, it's not, it's not readily available. So I, I, you know, we go out, I go out of my way to bring in the Korean culture to show her, be it food, books, or uh, movies, or, you know, do quality time with Harmony and Harabaji so that they have a better sense, like a like Mary said, like the positive and the fun side of culture, because at this age, that's when they learn. And that's when they're readily accepting of the lessons that we're trying to give them. Uh, so I think instilling pride in their Korean culture is step one in battling. I mean, I don't know how you, how you would battle uh, racism, but I think that if you have a better sense of yourself, yeah, um, having a sense of belonging, because it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are when you're in the United States, you're Amer- you're whatever American you are. You know, for myself, I'm Korean American, so. I have a sense of pride in that I'm American and I'm also Korean and be, you know, trying to show my daughters that be proud. Because of all the proud Koreans out there right now, Korean men, many bits of Korean culture are trendy, mm-hmm. right? K-pop, K-drama and the food, right? Mangchi is one of my favorite YouTubers, you know, several books, very effervescent as well. So I remember Having assembly line mandu making with my three sisters. Okay. Oh, wow. We would just, you know, lay it out almost like origami papers overlapping. And then we'd dope it with the egg white and then we'd make the mandu and then we'd freeze them all so that we could all have them. So at the time, I was really, oh, there are other things I wish I could do. <laughs> yes. With. But my, now my daughter, who's vegan, she makes vegan kimchi. All right. And yes. And so the, the food, the food culture is very popular and trendy and everybody has to try it. That can certainly increase the fun factor. <laughs> Sometimes I try to watch the same K-drama as my mom. <laughs> how, that, how does it go? <laughs> she, she, you know, kind of falls asleep <laughs> during certain episodes and then we have to rewatch it. But that way it gives us another, you know, we have certain characters and then we can talk about certain storylines. And then it's, it's a fun, fun way for me to try and keep re-immersed. And I remember, oh, I was at that convenience store. <laughs> I walked down that street. It's like revisiting. And so although sometimes my, my daughter, yeah, she complains that, mom, you watch K-dramas too much. <laughs> I, there are multiple reasons why I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to keep current. <laughs> I'm also learning about food culture because it's usually featured in K-dramas too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as well. 
So, and then uh, BTS, some of my mm-hmm. students, you know, they're, they're Caucasian. Okay, so they're writing about whole papers on BTS. <laughs> and then, you know, they're, they're featured on the VMA Awards. And I see like the L, LG TV commercials. And so, you know, that's also increases the fun factor. So, you know, and then we're always trying to make, well, there's always a blondie, isn't there? In these K-pop groups, there's usually, usually a blondie. But now... Now that, I mean, the focus seems to be about universality in quite a few of the K-pop mm-hmm. groups. I've reformed my viewpoint about them. I used to think they were just kind of eh, boppy and silly. But uh, listening, reading that paper on BTS, looking at the lyrics, actually some of them are quite profound and uh, speak to the younger generation's angst across the globe. Yeah. So um, that can help keep me current and young. (laughs) I get to learn any songs, (laughs) but I'm open to it. (laughs) Um, I mean, I think the book itself, I think is for the younger children, but you were right, like the food and the the K-pop and the message they're giving out and how um, universal it has become in the uh, the mainstream America has really helped some of our children Korean American children to feel like they're um, they can value their mm-hmm. culture and and still feel American. Um, I think that was really hard when um, at least when I was younger and 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 you you felt like you had to kind of choose one instead of mm-hmm. actually valuing both. Yes. And so um, having this book, I think, is actually really great in that you are right. We still have to deliberately focus on this Korean culture to be able to make sure that we have both cultures in our children's lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I do think that this was the, and, and I, I do get um, a lot of books that are kind of made by Korean Americans or about Asian Americans. But I think this is the first book I've came across where it really specifically talks about what you do on the New Year's and talk about what you actually eat and very um, specifically, you know, it has a portion of teaching in there. Um, And that's been actually really helpful personally for me, because I I think I was having a really hard time how to explain that to a four year old Mm -hmm. and having having it in a book really makes a big impact for her. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, I, I just wanted to add that during the research for illustrating mm-hmm. the book, I wanted to make sure I, growing up, we did, my my parents did all those, you know, like the setting of the, the chare table and the chal and everything, but I never understood the meaning behind it. So I, I wanted to be as accurate as possible mm-hmm. and just not randomly draw whatever dishes and when I did the research I didn't realize there were so many intricacies and meanings behind how you set the table what kind of ingredients like the fish had to be all the way on the left hand side and it had to be facing north or east I I don't remember which side but it's very complicated yes it's very specific and I have to say kudos to my you know to the women in the Korean culture who remember you know, on top of raising children and everything else, they have yep. to remember all that. So, yay, moms. <laughs> oh, moms. Right. Yes, yes. <laughs> Grandma power, mama, mom yes. power. Right? Yes. <laughs> we are superheroes in training. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> we keep the lessons of our mothers and grandmothers. We, we too can be superheroes. And that's what I aspire to. Um, rather than perceiving our elders as weak and um, mm. of the past, to see that our place is within that perpetuity in forever, a bridge of forever, that we can uh, we can be involved. And I did write the book so that <laughs> the, mo- the mom is speaking to an unnamed, unknown child. <laughs> Who could be anyone? <laughs> Who could be anyone? You know, a Caucasian, you know, middle-aged man. Okay, all right, or, or anyone so that it could be uh, hopefully crystalline for anyone who wanted to understand that bridge of forever. So, and I am um, eternally grateful for being able to walk that bridge. You know, and you opened up that bridge for me working on this project. And so it's, it's something that my mom can, <laughs> all my family can, and actually my church. I donated a bunch of copies to my church. They can enjoy it too. May I ask if you wanted to know a little bit about our background? One yes. thing I'm, I'm very grateful that there's that Asian humility, right? <laughs> when, yes. we <laughs> writing, <laughs> when we were writing our bios, yes, <laughs> yes it, you know, it's kind of tough to like promote and brag about mm-hmm. yourself, but your bios really have to do that in order to come across um, to, you know, to everyone. And so my collaborator is extremely talented and versatile (laughs) and also extraordinary leader. And so I did not have a chance to know that until until writing the book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm laughing because when she said encourage, you know, the humility part, it's, when we were told by the publisher we had to write our bios and I wrote maybe, what was it, like a three to five sentence bio, very short, uh, very factual. And Mary had encouraged me and she actually helped me fill it out a bit more because I'm, (laughs) thank you, Mary. See, this is why we work really well together. She, I find that we are very good at strengthening each other's weaknesses uh, in giving each other enough room to express our own creativity and what we want to say, our voices. But you're sidestepping. We need to know a little oh, bit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> See, there I go again. Okay, so I was born in Korea, but I we moved around a lot to many different countries and we finally settled in, in the U.S. And I mainly grew up here. Uh, so I would say, you know, I, I'm a Korean-American. And... I went to the School of Visual Arts in New York during the heydays, and um, I did actually quite a bit of things. Yes, I have a degree in illustration, but like a lot of us, I have ended up doing design work and this and that. And at one point, I quit my job. Uh, I like to say I was having my midlife crisis, and I quit my job and traveled around Southeast Asia alone. And then I ended up working at an elephant camp for wow. a year in Thailand. Uh, so I lived there for a year and then came back. 
uh, met my husband and have children. Yes. And now you get to <laughs> write a book about Korea. Yes. And I think you taught some elephants how to paint. Yes. That oh, was, no that was why I was there. <laughs> I, I was an art teacher for the elephants. No. Yeah, I was so, reading your bio and I was like, what do you mean? Art <laughs> literally, so, yeah. Back in the 80s, these two Russian artists decided to find out if elephants could paint um, okay. because there was a crisis in Thailand because before that, the elephants had a job, which was logging and it was extremely dangerous. So when they banned logging in 1989, the elephants were overnight mm-hmm. and their caretakers were um, jobless, unemployed. Mm-hmm. So they need to find a form of employment, like people. Sure. So these artists went around Southeast Asia to Asian elephants and taught them how to paint. And like people, some of them have the aptitude for cre- you know, for painting and some don't. So they actually went to the camp that I was at in Ayutthaya and then they had the class, they had the schools, but over the years, the school kind of, they didn't have enough people. So they shut, shut it down. And when I came around, when I went there to visit and the people who were running the place asked me, do you by any chance have an art degree? And I said, yeah, it just happened. That's an amazing um, story. Yeah. So, so next thing you know, they, so there's a elephant conservation center organization based in New York and they go around Southeast Asia and they help raise money. So what they were doing that year was having a fashion show in for fashion week in New York. Um, so they had fabric that they wanted the elephants oh, wow. to paint. Wow. So I was involved with helping the elephants paint and then they did this fashion stuff and then they took the fabric to New York and then the New York fashion designers created these amazing outfits. Wow. And then they wow. auctioned off. And so that's how it started. And they say, hey, you know what? This would be great to continue the art class, art school for the elephants. Amazing. Sounds like a book project. I know. Yeah. (laughs) My seven-year-old keeps asking me, so Mm -hmm. uh, when are you going to start working on that elephant book, Oma? (laughs) Oh, so this is really amazing. I mean, I think, um, you know, just like the um, the fact that you have this amazing background, both Mary and then Jude, both of you guys, and and to actually come together through social mm-hmm. media and and have this solidarity, but also the common goal for your own children and also other children of the world, obviously, um, to have this book. Um, and now I'm a beneficiary of that as well. Wait. Thank you. Yes. Oh, did did you? Okay, and I, I don't mean to push. Mary. Did you want to know my background too? Yes, yes I was yes, going to yes, say Mary. Please. What about yeah, Mary? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because the podcast time, time frame. All right, so I'll be very brief. I immigrated to the U.S. at age three, growing up primarily in Ohio. I was supposed to become a doctor. <laughs> of course. But weren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my pathway to becoming a writer or artist uh, a literary artist was very mm, circuitous, let's put it mm-hmm. that way. All right. But ultimately, I garnered my father's approval through writing things about him and showcasing the fact that actually this can help. <laughs> this can actually help our culture. It's a pursuit of something that's larger than myself, just like, well, somewhat similar to medicine. In any case, I have an MFA in creative writing from Bowling Green State University. I went to schools that paid me to go (laughs) 
because that was the time period where my parents did not support. Um, I mean, they said, you have to stay inside the state and they were not terribly keen on me becoming a writer. So I, I did an MA in English literature that way and also an MFA in creative writing and um, went on to publish uh, an essay loosely based on my father's story, um, father's family line in the New York Times Magazine. And then uh, NPR was interested in that New York Times story. And so they featured me on Snap Judgment. And then primarily I've been writing for adults, Mm -hmm. Um, poems, essays, a creative creative, uh, writing book for um, uh, survivors of sexual assault. Yeah, adult survivors of sexual assault, because of course, certain issues you don't want to broach to children. I didn't, although part of my motivation of writing the book was to target or address anti-Asian violence. I never wanted that to seep in or, you know, infiltrate the fun and the and the superhero nature of grandma. But that's been my mission for quite some time. This is my, Unju, working at, together with Unju, this is my first foray into children's writing. And I'm so pleased that I get to, I guess, turn the coin over (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, celebrate more of the beauty and the fun and the pleasure, okay, rather than delving into the aftermath of the not-so-fun parts. And so I'm I'm really excited to keep, keep on going and going and going. Yes, it was a pivotal moment when my father heard that NPR coverage because it was kind of dedicated to his sister, who, like many of our families, were split across the DMC. And he hadn't seen her nor heard from her in wow. more than 50 years. And so the story that aired on NPR, where we, we hoped and prayed that she might be able to hear it in North Korea. And so that's been part of our, our aim to create a bridge across forever back in time, but also a bridge of understanding across our divided homeland, you know. And then, don't North Koreans celebrate Solna? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, no, I think this is really uh, good, you know, really amazing that you guys were um, both really a writer and artist of your own. And the motherhood really, and Korean-American motherhood really brought Mm -hmm. you guys together to make this project, you know, it's you're actually giving your talent into one goal. Um, so as a mom and a grand mom, I think it's really amazing to see this happening. And I um, am so grateful um, that I am one of the beneficiaries of the book. And I do hope that a lot of our listeners are able to see that as well. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories, but also about the book. And I hope I do hope that you guys come on again. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It would be a privilege. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Korean American Parenting Podcast. Want to thank our guest and for you for joining us today as we share our stories and our perspectives along our own Korean American parenting journeys. Follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at Korean American Parenting. And be sure to check out our website, KoreanAmericanParenting.com, to learn more about the podcast 
about us and about our community. Please take a moment to rate and review this episode if you are listening to us on Apple and share this episode and this podcast with a friend or two in your life who you think would benefit from listening to us. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We wish you all the health and happiness as we go along our parenting journeys together. And we'll see you next time on the Korean American Parenting Podcast.